0: As Lauren said, just throughout January, we are just looking at actually what God is doing and and as we hear, you know, last week we just heard about some of the areas that we're involved in social action and and how people are involved during the week here and then hearing how people are involved in in their everyday life. what, we, what we're trying to do is to tell those stories because actually each of us, as we walk out into our day-to-day lives, um, we carry the kingdom. That's what we've been looking at last term was what does it look like to walk out and to live with, with Jesus as king and live advancing his kingdom. And, and, and that's really important as we do that because... Um, Actually, then we start to see the little things that we do. We start to see the, the difference it makes. We start to see how Jesus is using those opportunities. So often it can just, you just do the stuff because that's what I always do. And then go, oh, hang on, what does it mean for me to carry Jesus into this moment with my friendship group, in my workplace, wherever it is? And, and hopefully these stories, as we hear about them and as we pray, will just stare us afresh to think, oh, how is God going to use me this week? Um, And so, uh, and and with that in mind, as we look at what God is doing in the city, we're deliberately not just looking at what God is doing with us, because actually God is doing far more than just Jubilee, and that's really exciting. Um, And so, I've invited this morning, um, Rich Phillips, to to join us. He's going to share God's Word in a few moments, um, and to share what's going on as over in the east of the city, St Aidan's is based um, in. Uh, in East Hall, not far from East Park. Um, It's close to my heart because it's um, where I spent um, most of my growing up time uh, in that church and uh, real um, just, yeah, I'm here because of of what God did and through that community of people. And so um, I love that church and Rich is doing an amazing job. He's going to come and tell tell us a little bit about what's going on, but also um, hopefully remind us again of what God is doing in the city. Uh, even when there's even when we go through tough moments it's been so encouraging to look out you know this week we had the the whole 2030 gathering and I know some of you were in the room as we looked at what god is doing in, in the city and so exciting to hear stories of what god is doing through new communities through established churches through um churches that have been dreamed of at the moment um, but will come to fruition in the coming years and we're so excited to be part of a a, a wider family within the city and so um while rich comes up i'm gonna I wanna pray for you um Rebecca, is it? Someone doing the reading? Rebecca, do you want to come up, Rebecca? Come up, Rich. Before we hear our Bible reading, why don't we just um, why don't you just stand up for a moment? Why don't you stretch out your hands? We're going to pray for Rich, and then we're going to hear this Bible. The Bible being read to us. So Father, we thank you for Rich. We thank you for. Just thank you for who he is. We thank you for what you've done in his life. We thank you for the grace that you've poured into him. Thank you for saving him, yes. Lord. And I just thank you for his willingness to, to come to this city, to minister to this city. And Lord, I pray even uh, as he speaks to us, you would just impart something in his heart for, for us, that we'd have ears to hear it and hearts to receive it. But also you would minister to him. You would give him fresh vision for this next season, even this morning. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Yes. Amen.
1: Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The har- harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give.
2: Well done, thanks so much, well done. Well good morning, good morning, it's great to be uh, here with you this morning. Thank you so much for your invitation, and also your really warm welcome. I felt really warmly welcomed. I've had loads of prayer. Sorry, this is... Uh, I might put it in my back pocket. Uh, loads of prayer, so I'm going to have to come here more often, I think. Uh, as Dan said, my name is Rich. I'm the vicar at St. Aidan's Church. I've been there uh, for coming up for 12 years in July. Yikes. And uh, firstly, I-, I arrived as curate, and I was curate under... Dan's dad, Mick, who uh, many of you will probably know, uh, Mick was there for 19 years, and, um, and then by God's grace, I was appointed vicar. Now, uh, just to be clear, uh, I didn't force Mick out, it wasn't a coup d'etat, or uh, uh, I don't believe he left because of me, oh, he did, he did apparently, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So I'm born and bred in Hull, grew up in the west in Willoughby, uh, and didn't come from a Christian home, but came to faith whilst uh, working in London. So I'd been living in London for 10 years, uh, came to faith uh, on an alpha course at the mothership at HDB, and by God's grace was saved when I was far from God, Uh, and then we fell God's staring our hearts back north, and by his grace, he brought us back to Hull. I'm married to Ali, and we have three children. Uh, I'm trying to remember their names now. <laughs> <laughs> Ella, Benjamin, and Lily, and I know very well their toilet trick. Yeah, I'm well versed with that, getting some space. Uh, and um, uh, what I particularly love doing in my spare time is cycling, so uh, you might... There's quite a number of us in the city, a number of vicars, pastors in the city who love cycling. We're mammals, middle-aged men in Lycra, uh, but you'd be pleased to know there's no Lycra in sight today. So uh, anyway, that's me. Shall we pray? Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you are holy, that you are sovereign, that you are the Lord God Almighty of our city. And of us here at Jubilee today, of the body of Christ here at Jubilee. And we say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you move amongst us this morning? Would you stare our hearts afresh? Would you open our eyes? And would you bless us with the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the Scriptures? In Jesus' name, Amen. Yes, yeah, sorry, thanks, Dan. There we go. (laughs) Feel free, whatever you need to do. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Quite enjoyed (laughs) that. Now, I I know as Dan's been saying, you're in the midst of a mini-series looking at God of this city. I love that title, sharing stories about what God's doing in in our city and hopefully growing faith amongst us. Uh, And so I want to pick up on that theme today and just share with you some of the things that we've been learning uh, in recent years at St. Aidan's. Uh, You know, we live in an amazing city, don't we? Can I hear a whoop-whoop for Hull? (laughs) Indeed. Uh, And you guys at Jubilee are doing a fantastic job of seeking to reach this city with the love, the grace uh, of Jesus and the power of the gospel uh, you know, And I love your hearts for the, for the poor, for the homeless, for the marginalized, for the lost. And you've been blazing a trail and pioneering stuff in this city for many years as you've sought to do that. And it's no coincidence that God has strategically placed you in the heart of this city. But you know, the stats about the number of people who follow Jesus in Hull are quite sobering. There's uh, roughly 260,000, just over 260,000 people in Hull, uh, and of that, about 2,500 regularly attend church, give or take, roughly. So that's one percent of the people in our city regularly attending church. It's, it's not a lot, is it, at all? And none of them are represented in this room this morning. In our parish, the stats are pretty similar. We have a parish of just under 7,000. If you're in the Church of England, uh, everything's divided up into parishes, uh, although we don't worry too much about boundaries. Uh, but we have 7,000 people, and we have about 70 people who regularly attend St. Aidan's. So again, you're looking at 1%. But even then, a lot of people that attend St. Aidan's come from out of the city. They come from the east, or, just, or at least outside of our parish, and so we've got a big task on our hands. So if we want to impact our city, if we want to see as many people as possible saved, we've got a big task on our hands. But the good news is that we hear being declared by Jesus in this morning's reading, the harvest is plentiful. Amen. Amen. And who knows that Jesus wasn't just declaring that truth over Israel, but that it is an eternal truth that echoes down through the ages to every town, city, and village on the planet today as well. And in John's gospel, Jesus says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, they are ripe. For harvest. Amen. The harvest is plentiful. But where is the harvest? Is it in here, inside Jubilee? Is it in, inside St. Aidan's? No, of course not. It's out there, in the homes. The schools, the hospitals, the offices, the streets, the avenues of our city. That's why Jesus says, He says, Go and make disciples. And in this morning's reading, Uh, We first see Jesus going. He's going, we're told, through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And then we're told, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus, he looks at the crowd and he has compassion on them. Don't you just love the compassion of Jesus for the lost? His heart just wells up with love and compassion for the lost. But he also knows the scale of the task. Not only were the crowd that were in front of him like sheep without a shepherd, but that was true of the people throughout Israel and indeed the world and remains true today. There are so many people who are lost and like sheep without a shepherd. I was one of those people. And so Jesus knows that he's going to need others to join him in going. If all those who are like sheep without a shepherd in this world are going to be reached. And so Jesus, having prayed this prayer for the workers in the harvest field... He immediately says, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send workers into the harvest field. And he immediately seems to answer his prayer as he sends out the 12 disciples to the lost sheep of Israel. Telling them to put into practice the very things that they've seen him model. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. And the words of Jesus here and elsewhere, the Great Commission and elsewhere, have been challenging us at St. Aidan's to, um, over the last few years, to ask ourselves... Is everything we do focused on the core task of fulfilling the Great Commission and making disciples who make disciples? Are we actually making disciples? Are we actually bearing fruit in the way that Jesus called us to bear fruit? And the honest acknowledgement is that many of the events and activities that we've been running have, not, have had plenty, often had plenty of attendees, plenty of people coming along, we've been engaging with the community, but they've not been fruitful in making disciples who are able to make disciples and multiply. Not because we didn't desire that, of course, but largely because we've not been equipped to do that. And so as we've narrowed in our focus on being a church that seeks to multiply disciples, it's actually broadened our vision. And I don't know if I can have the, the first slide. And so we've, our vision at the moment is to give everyone in our community the opportunity in hear and respond, the opportunity to hear and respond to the good news of Jesus. And be transformed by his amazing love. And of course out of that comes the transformation of community. The transformation of families. The transformation of schools. But we want to give as many people as possible the opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel. And so this morning, I just want to share with you a couple of things that we've been learning as we've been going on this journey, and we're still on the journey. In fact, it feels very much that we're still on the start of the journey, even though I've been the vicar uh, nearly, well, over eight years now. It still feels like God is birthing something new, doing something new, laying a foundation. We hope for more to come. And so I just want to share with you two things, because the The task that we have to reach our city, for us to reach our parish, but we're not just restricted by parish boundaries, is a big task. And it is an urgent task. And So we need the Lord to stir our hearts for the task in hand. To equip us for the task in hand. And so I'm going to share two things. And the first thing that I want to share with you this morning, that we've been learning and discovering at St. Aidan's, is to rediscover the power of the gospel to transform lives. You know, Matthew tells us that when Jesus had been fasting for 40 days in the wilderness, and Luke says when he comes out of the wilderness, he comes out. He goes in, led by the Spirit, and he comes out in the power of the Spirit. And the first thing that he begins to do is he embarks on his ministry is to preach the good news of the kingdom. Matthew says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And in today's reading, we see Jesus going through all the towns and villages, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And then he sends out the 12 and he tells them to do the same and to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Sharing the message of the good news of the kingdom and the call to repentance was at the heart of Jesus' ministry and what he has called us as his disciples to continue. And at St. Aidan's, I think our focus was not as sharp as it could be on equipping people to proclaim the good news and call people to repentance. In Romans 1 verse 16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then to the Gentiles. The gospel is the power of God. Amen. That brings salvation to those who believe. It's what the gospel is ultimately what brings salvation, healing, deliverance, freedom, redemption, wholeness new identity, new purpose. It is what transforms a life from the inside out. It's the gospel that transformed my own life when I encountered Jesus at the age of 28. And here, if you've received and uh, heard and received the gospel of grace, you know what it is to have your life transformed by Jesus. And for it to go on being transformed. He doesn't stop, does he? At least we we shouldn't allow him to stop. Go on transforming us from the inside out. From one degree of glory to another. The gospel is amazing news. The greatest news that we have under heaven and earth. You know, if you receive some good news. A job promotion. Um, you get engaged, you find out you're pregnant, you uh, pass your driving test, you pass an exam, or whatever it might be, and you're filled with joy. You're absolutely delighted that, uh, about this good news. Do you keep it to yourself? Of course not. What do you do? You're overjoyed, and so you're delighted that there's good news, and you go and you share that good news with as many people as you can and they're thrilled for you at the good news too and i'm pretty sure that we'd all agree that we want to share the good news of the gospel jesus our faith our testimonies right we all have a desire to do that but how confident do we feel about sharing the greatest news ever Do you feel confident to do that, equipped to do that? Well, I'll be honest, Um, aside from us inviting people on Alpha, most of us at St. Aidan's didn't feel equipped to share the gospel. We had a desire to, but we didn't feel equipped to share the gospel. When we came into contact with with the people that we come into contact with on a daily basis where there are opportunities that arise where you might be able to share the good news of Jesus or share your testimony we'd use various tracks and so on but we just quite didn't quite know without feeling that we were fumbling a little bit i mean we knew the gospel but it's a different ball game when you're faced with somebody that you're trying to uh, you know convey it across to, it's easy to get tongue-tied, think, oh, did I share the right things? Oh, Lord, should I have said that? Oh, I missed the essence of it out on all of those things. And then in March of last year, I invited a friend of mine who had only met in October, by God's grace, in October 2021 at a conference when I was in quite a desperate place, actually. He came up to me, bounding up to me to this chap, and he's like, oh, hello. And he he was was so familiar, like the way he said it was so familiar, I said, do I know you? He says, oh, no, 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 you don't know me. Anyway, next moment, I'm crying on his shoulder, and (laughs) God knew what I needed. Uh, Don't worry, I'm not going to break down today. I don't think. (laughs) But so he was amazing, and I began to connect with him. And then he came, and uh, I shared with him this journey we're on, and he came and delivered some training to us at St Anne's about evangelism and there's one thing that he shared and I want to share with you this morning I'm going to that's why the flip charts here and it's called the three circles and it's a really simple and reproducible way of sharing the gospel and so I just want to share this with you and uh, hopefully this will be an encouragement to you and maybe even somebody here will be able to use it this week to share the good news of Jesus what we need is a simple way of uh, of sharing the good news. This has personally revolutionised how much and how confident I feel in sharing the gospel. So it's called the three circles. So the first circle, and forgive me, I'm no artist, so forgive me for my lack of drawing skills. This is the first circle. With a crack along the middle. And we say, this, if you're speaking to me, this represents the fact that we live in a broken world. We only have to turn on the news. And we know how broken it is. And if we're honest, we know we're not perfect. That there is brokenness and imperfection and things that we're ashamed of and wish we hadn't said, done and thought in our own lives. People usually go, yeah, you're right. And then we say, and this second circle. This second circle, if you can see that there, represents God's world as he designed it to be. God designed the world to be a place of love. Jesus came and he said two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And if we were doing that, well, I think the world would be a better place, don't you? And people generally say, yes, I do. But the thing is that starting with the first people, Adam and Eve, got people turned away from God's perfect world and God's perfect plan for them li- their lives. This is a little man running away. There you go. That's the extent of my artistic skills. They turned away and they started to do life independent of God. In their own strength. And this has been the result. Brokenness. In the world and in our lives. In our families. But people desire more and often to try and escape the brokenness. People look to other things, maybe relationships. That was one of the things that I looked to before I came to know Jesus in inappropriate ways. Thought it would bring me happiness. It didn't, it just brought more deadness. Deadness. Sometimes people seek solace in alcohol or addiction or drugs. Those were things that I dabbled in when I was far from God. The material, we think if we buy X, if we get X, we're going to be happy. Sometimes sport, particularly as blokes, I know for me that's been one of the things that I've struggled with at times. It pulls me away from the Lord. And so we say, and these things can be like a bungee. They get so far, and then they have a way of pinging you back. You can't be set free. But the good news is that God has provided an exit out of this mess. He's provided an exit door out of this mess. And then we draw the third circle. And the way that God did that was by sending Jesus, his one and only son, to live amongst us. And he died upon the cross, and on the cross, he was taking upon himself our sin. Sin is what God calls those, when we live independent from God, uh, he calls that sin. And Jesus on the cross was taking upon himself our sin. And then the scripture says that on the third day, he rose to new life. Proving that he was victorious over sin and death. And so the promise of God is this. Is that if we, if you turn away from living life independent of God and turn to Jesus. Turn back to Jesus. You can draw a man there if you want. If you want to display your artistic skills, you can draw a man running back to Jesus. If you turn to Jesus, and you acknowledge and believe with all your heart that he lived on this earth, that he died upon the cross, and upon the cross was taken upon himself all of your sin, and he rose to new life so that you too can have new life, then the promise is that God will restore you so that you can love God with all your heart And he says that he will make you a new creation. And he will fill you with the love that you need to love God and love others. So, can I ask you, where do you think you are at this time? And people often, they don't like to think that they're over here. (laughs) Fair enough. They'll often say they're in the middle. Then you can say, I wonder Where would you like to be? I've not had anybody who said, they don't want to be here. So is there anything stopping you from accepting Jesus into your life, of believing with all your heart that he lived, that he died for your sins, and he rose to new life? Is there anything today stopping you from welcoming Jesus into your life, and asking him to restore you and forgive you. And then you can lead them in a prayer and you can use this, Lord, forgive me for my brokenness. Lord, I ask for your forgiveness. I repent of my sins. Lord, thank you that you sent Jesus to die upon the cross for my sins. Thank you that he rose to new life so that I too can have new life. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, fill me, Lord, with your love. And help me to live for for you for this day forward. And we've just found that a really simple and reproducible tool that we can share with everybody in our congregation. But not only that, that when people come to know Jesus, instantly you can equip them with that. You can say, you can share this straight away. With those who are far from God, because usually those who come to know Jesus, they're, all, they're the most on fire, aren't they, when they first come to know the Lord? So we need to equip them and release them straight away. And you know, when we learned this as part of the training, uh, five groups of two. Uh, there was five groups of two. So five pairs were sent out onto the streets of our local community, onto the Preston Road estate, and so on. And when we came back, we gathered the stats together. And this is what had happened. And we were out on the streets for less than an hour. Less than an hour. Between us, we'd we'd, we'd had conversations with 47 people. We'd prayed for 20, and we'd shared the gospel with nine We were stunned. In less than an hour, there was, we'd had more spiritual conversations, more opportunities to pray and share the gospel than many of the events and activities that we'd been running for many years put together in less than an hour. The day after the training... Uh, One of our team who'd been there and learned how to do the three circles shared the three circles uh, with the gospel using the three circles with one of the carers of uh, our church members. And just recently, uh, we've opened... A warm space on a Tuesday afternoon. If you know St. Anne's, we've got a lovely cafe area. And we've just opened up our cafe area on a Tuesday from 11 till 3. We're about to extend it till 6 o'clock so we can catch families from 3 till 6 coming from school. Uh, and um, this last Tuesday was our second week. And we had just under 40 people coming to be part of the warm space. Which blew our socks off because many of them were unchurched and we'd never seen them before. And one particular lady, she was passing St. Anne. She, she wasn't intending to come into the warm space, but her son happened to see that, that, that something going on in the church. And so she, three-year-old son dragged her into church. Three-year-old son leading her to Jesus. <laughs> Unwittingly. And she comes in and one of our team members, one of our ladies, she welcomes her and she gets, sits her down, gets her a drink, and she gets, starts to chat to her. And ask her about her life. And this lady begins to open up. And she shares, through lots of tears, how she's been having a difficult time, divorced in November, and so on. And one of our team was able to lead her to the Lord using the three circles. And that lady said that she's going to join us this Sunday, today. In fact, I don't know whether she's there, but let's hope she is. But since March, since learning that tool, we have grown in confidence in sharing the gospel. I've personally never shared the gospel with as many people as I have the last 10 months. I'm a vicar. I should now to share the gospel. I did, but not in the most effective way fruitful, easy way, and so I always, I I actually didn't intentionally bring these, I was worshiping this morning, I thought, oh, what's that in my pocket, and I pulled out uh, these cards, these record cards, and these are what I carry around with me with a pen, and so I can just quickly draw the three circles on these record cards, get them on Amazon, I carry some around with me, so at any time I can share the gospel with somebody who's far from God. Now, have we seen the harvest that we long to see? No. But we're sowing more seeds than ever before. And we're trusting that as we obediently and liberally sow the seed, as Jesus Jesus called us to do in Mark 4, when he says, share the word. We're trusting and believing that some of that seed will fall on good soil. And will bear fruit a hundred, sixty, thirty times what has been sown. I wonder, who could you share the gospel using the three circles perhaps? Who could you share the gospel with using the three circles perhaps this week? Today even, this week, a neighbor a friend, a colleague at work, somebody that you encounter as you're serving at church in the, in the many ministries that you're part of. It's amazing how many people are receptive. And if you want to practice three circles, do Google 411 training three circles, either on YouTube or on Google, after I've finished speaking, of course. <laughs> Dan. <laughs> uh, so Google that and look up more uh, information about it. So that's the first thing. We've been dis- rediscovering the power of the gospel and growing confidence in sharing the gospel. We've still got some way to go, of course. The second thing is, you know, there's one thing being equipped with the tools to make disciples, isn't there? The next step, of course... is that if we want to see souls saved and the kingdom of heaven come, we've got to be prepared to step out and take risks. We've got to be prepared to step out and take risks. And that often involves us overcoming our fears of stepping out, our fears of rejection, our fears of looking silly, our fears of uh, being mocked. Our fears of getting it wrong and failing. But stepping out, if we want to see the kingdom come, we need to step out of our comfort zone. You know, my, my wife, Ali, and I, um, we've been recently watching the documentary on BBC about Elon Musk. It's a three-part documentary. I don't know if anybody else has watched that. I can't say I was ever particularly interested in Elon Musk, but one night we were searching for something to watch as you do, and it piqued our interest. And so we thought, okay, he's on the news all the time, especially with all the Twitter for all uh, that's been going on. So we thought, well, let's find out about this guy. And what was obvious from watching the documentary about him, he's a ruthless guy, but what was obvious is that Elon Musk is a guy who is prepared to take risks. He is a risk taker extreme. He is prepared to risk it all in order to succeed and see breakthroughs that many dismiss as impossible. Many of the things that he's seeking to see breakthroughs in, with electric cars, with sending things into space, many have said, no, you can't do that. He says, I'm staking it all. I believe that's possible. I'm risking it all. He is a risk taker. And along the way, of course, he's made many failures. And he's quite happy with that. Because out of the failures, he's also had many successes. Which has led to him becoming one of the richest men in the world Bless him, I believe he's no longer the richest man in the world. I think he's the second richest man, so do pray for him. (laughs) He's only got 128 billion pounds. One of his former colleagues was being interviewed as part of the documentary, and she said, it really struck me, she said, if you're comfortable, you're probably not growing. If you're comfortable you're probably not growing. This was a secular comment. But it hit me in terms of the kingdom. The point is that we only grow and succeed, the only way we'll grow and succeed in doing the things that Jesus did, in sharing the gospel, in healing the sick, in raising the dead, in casting out demons, is if we're prepared to take risks. If we're prepared to fail, whether that's with our work colleagues, our friends, neighbours, somebody you encounter through church, whatever it is. You know, sometimes um, I'm no green fingers, I'm no percy thrower or whatever, if you remember Percy Thrower, for those who remember Percy Thrower, they used to be on Blue Peter if you're old enough. (laughs) Showing my age now. Uh, (laughs) But um, but, you know, um, plants and trees often are limited to how big they can grow by the size of the pot they're in, aren't they? And so if you want to see that plant or that tree grow... What do you need to do? You need to replant it in a bigger pot, as you can see on that picture there. You need to break it out of the limits of that pot that it's in, that's restricting its growth, and you need to plant it in a bigger pot so that it can put its roots put its roots deeper down and out further, and can grow bigger and stronger. Indeed, sometimes what you need to do is take it out of the pot altogether and plant it in the ground so that its growth is unlimited and unrestricted. Sometimes, with our faith, we put ourselves in a certain-sized pot. We place limits on what we will and what we won't do. We get comfortable there. But it can limit our growth and all that Jesus wants to do in and through us. But here's the thing. Jesus says, with God all things are possible. And so God wants us to take risks and break out of our plant pots so that we grow and we begin to lay hold of all that Christ has purchased for us upon the cross. He's given us authority to preach that the kingdom is near. He's given us authority to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. I wonder, have you allowed yourself to become too comfortable in your faith? Do you need to take that plant pot that you've put yourself in and smash it? I was hoping to have a plant pot and visually do that today, but uh, my wife went to the shops and she couldn't find one. (laughs) Imagine me with a hammer. Do you need to take yourself out of the plant pot that you're in? And allow God to smash it. Everything that you've put that might be a limitation upon your growth. Lord, I could do this, but I could never do that for you. If we've put limits on us, we need to repent and ask God for forgiveness. And say, Lord, break me free of these limits that I'm putting upon myself. Lord, you're not putting those limits on me. Lord, you've said that with you all things are possible. And I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Sometimes we need to renew our minds and renew the way that we see ourselves and we need to come back to the word and the truth of who Christ Christ says we are. You know, when Jesus sent out the 12, he was encouraging them to break out of their plant pots that they were in. They could never imagine that one day they were being sent out to heal the sick and so on. And he's encouraging them to take a risk and grow. And at St. Aidan's, a group of 12 of us, roughly 12 of us, a good biblical number, have been seeking to do that. Break out of our plant pots and encouraging others to do the same. And a lot of that has been about us regularly and consistently going out onto the streets, onto the Preston Road estate in particular, to the lost, to the poor, to the marginalized. Because we want them to have the opportunity to encounter Jesus and to hear the good news of Jesus. They're not going to come through the doors of church. They're just not. We've tried it. It doesn't doesn't attract them. But they're there. And it doesn't mean they're not hungry for Jesus. And they're not people of peace out there. But we've got to go to them. And so that has involved us overcoming our, our fears. You know, I've had to overcome my own fears. There's been times when I've felt a staring to go out. And then the fears come upon me. And I've gone, made every excuse as to why I shouldn't go out and share the gospel. But here's the thing. If we wait and if we think, well, I'll go out when, I, when I'm no longer fearful, that day will never come. That day will never come when you're not fearful. The only way to overcome your fears is by pushing through them and stepping out and taking a risk. And i found that as I've pushed through my fears, the fear is diminished. The enemy will so often project fear onto us because he knows how dangerous we are when we go out to share the gospel. And we've discovered that as we've stepped out in faith and as we've taken risk, it's given God a landing strip for his presence and his power to come upon people. When we step out, God steps in we release the potential of the kingdom the spirit will come as we step out step out on his word and we've seen as we've gone we've seen some people healed we've seen people encounter the holy spirit sometimes in quite shocking ways in ways that we're like oh wasn't expecting that We've seen people being prayed for and feeling peace the peace of the Lord when their hearts have been troubled and uh, anxious and feeling chaotic. And we've been able to share the gospel. And at the moment, with six or seven families, we've started to build relationships with people that are far from God, all actually within quite close proximity on the Preston Road estate. Those people would have never come through the doors of our church. But Jesus died for them. Jesus loves them and is compelling us to go. We've even been invited into one or two people's homes. And with one couple, we've started to do a Bible study. And we've also been able to help and support people practically. You know, when you begin to meet people, it's not just a one-off hit. We're going back to the same people and we're building relationships and we're able to come alongside them and signpost them or help them practically. One person with some furniture, another with housing. Some people have been able to deliver uh, the Christmas meals to the last few years that you guys have been involved in and have generously passed on that blessing to us. I just want to finish by sharing quickly one story. Just to encourage you. What can happen when you step out and take a risk? In the autumn of 2021, uh, a few of us were out on the streets praying. And one gentleman was approaching us as we were walking down the streets. And I'd seen him out on the streets a couple of times, actually, in passing. But I'd never um, said hello to him, never engaged with him. Well, on this occasion, I was really feeling a stirring that I needed to do that. And I was a bit fearful, I'll be honest... But as he approached, as he bent down, he picked up a discarded bottle top off the street, like a beer bottle top. I says, oh, hello. How come you doing that? And anyway, we began having a conversation. We began having a conversation. She's excited. It's all right. Uh, We began having a conversation. And very quickly, this chap opened up. And he began to share about the struggles he was having. And in particular, the fact that he was an alcohol addict. And in a few months' time, he was due to go to rehab. He was booked in to go to rehab. Anyway, two months later, um, for some reason, I was was in the florist, the local florist. I'd like to say I was buying flowers for my wife. I don't think I was. (laughs) Flowers for some reason. And um, I was in the local florist, and the phone rings, and the florist answers the phone, and she says, for argument's sake, to protect anonymity, she says, oh, hello, Bob. Pretend this guy that I'd met was called Bob. I was like, oh, Bob, that, that name rings a bell. And as the conversation unfolded, I could tell it was this very same Bob that I'd met two months earlier that said he was going into rehab. And it turns out that that was him on the phone. And he was phoning from rehab to buy flowers for his wife. I thought, well, that's bizarre. That's surely got to be more than a coincidence. But the thing was, I didn't have his number or address. So we couldn't follow up with him. All I knew, he was on our hearts and we were praying for him. Well, fast forward. That was autumn 2021. Fast forward to May 2022. We were again out on the streets on the Preston Road. We were going back to church. We'd finished for the day. And we have a pretty set way of making our way back. But on this occasion, I felt as prompted to take another turn. And so we went down another road. And as we did, a car pulled up. And out of the car came three Adults. And they, we started saying hello. We said, oh, hi, how are you doing? We said, oh, we're from St. Aidens. We engaged in conversation. They've been to the garden center. And I said to one of the ladies, is there anything that we could pray for you about? And she said, well, actually, there is. She says, because unfortunately, on Monday, my husband, Bob, I was like, tried to commit suicide. I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. I said, I know, Bob. She said, yes, you do. He's told me about you. We were stunned that God would set that up. The God of grace, at their time of need, because we'd stepped out and take a risk, would put us in that family's path at the time that they needed Jesus. And so we were able to pray for her, and we've since been able to begin to develop a relationship, a really good relationship, actually. We're often in there. We've started a Bible study with her. Her husband, who is the alcoholic, is still far from God. But we're praying for him. We've prayed for him, and we're sharing the gospel with him. We've shared the three circles with him. And we're praying that he will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. When we step out and take risks for God, God steps in. You know, God loves Hull. He loves all 260,000 people who live here. And he declares over this city the eternal truth. The harvest is plentiful. And God is on the move. God is on the move through you here at Jubilee. God is on the move, praise God, at St. Aidan's in East Hull. And in many churches throughout this city. As we saw at Hull 2030 on Wednesday. And to, to reach the people of God in this city, we're going to need to see a movement of disciples who were equipped to make disciples. And he wants each one of us to play our part, to grow in our faith and confidence in sharing the glorious gospel, perhaps using the three circles. He wants us to overcome our fears and break out of our self-limiting plant pots that we've maybe put ourselves in and step out and take risks for the sake of the kingdom. You know, Jesus says that the kingdom has been advancing by violent men, by forceful men and women. Throughout history, the kingdom advances when we get serious and we're forceful and we're intentional and we're not put off by opposition, we're not put off by our fears, but we're saying, Lord, you purchased upon the cross a rich harvest for us. We've got to have that harvest, Lord. Lord, we're laying claim to it. We're laying hold of it. Break us out of our plant pots, Lord. Fill us with boldness and courage like never before. Help us to share the gospel and take risks, even if it means rejection. We're called to lay down our lives, to let go of all our fears, so that he can come and have his way through us. How might God be calling you today to step out? Maybe God has been calling you into something and you've been fearful of saying yes. How might God be calling you to step out of your plant pot? To allow him to plant you in a bigger pot or even in no pot at all. And say, Lord, just please break me free from all the things that inhibit me. All the things that hold me back. Plant me in open soil that I may grow as big as you want me to grow. How might God be calling you to step out and take a risk, to share the gospel, to offer to pray for somebody, to invite them to an alpha, whatever it might be. But may I encourage you to take risks and step out in the week ahead.